Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is a video teaching series, The First Commandment, Loving God. This is lesson number 10, and the focus of this lesson is living because of the Lord's love. I'm reading to you again, starting with the verses that I used in the last lesson and continuing down in the context to the end of this chapter. 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, God, loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the, love, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to, to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Then I'm reading to you First uh, John chapter 4. I'm only reading verses 14 and 19 in the Amplified. And besides, we ourselves have seen, have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated and bear witness that the Father hath sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, lives, makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, and makes his home in God. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of, by observation, by experience, and believe, adhere to, and put our faith in, and rely on the love of God, the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love, dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence from the, for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect, mature love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror, for, for fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. And then finally, uh, we expanded translation, 1 John 14 through 19. And as for us, we have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated 
And we are testifying that the Father has sent off the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever agrees with the statement that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he himself in God. And as for us, we have known experientially the love which God has in our case, and we have, a, and we have that knowledge at present. And we have believed and at present maintain that attitude. God is, as to his nature, love. And he who dwells in the aforementioned love is, in God is dwelling. And in him, and God in him is dwelling. In this has been brought to completion the aforementioned love, which is in us produced by the Holy Spirit, which love exists in its completed state, resulting in us in our having unreservedness of speech at the day of judgment, because just as he, as that one is also, as for us, we are in this world. Fear does not exist in the sphere of the aforementioned love. Certainly, this aforementioned love, uh, which exists in its completed state, throws fear outside because this fear has a penalty. And the one who fears has not been brought to completion in the sphere of his love and is not in that state at present. As for us, let us be constantly loving because he himself first loved us. Now, uh, there is a possibility <laughs> that this lesson 10 is going to become lesson 10 and 11, and what was going to be 11 is now going to be 12. We will see how the flow goes. I'm not going to force what the Lord wants to say here. So if we're looking again, starting at verse uh First of all, I want to start back with verse 12 of the last lesson and move into verse 14. No man hath seen God in any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. Uh, let me start with verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. Uh, that's why the scripture says, By this shall all men know you're my disciples, that you have loved one for another. If we love one another, John said in 1 John uh, 4.12, God dwelleth in us, and his love uh, is perfected in us. And how did John, 1 John 2 say that his love was perfected in us? Because we're obeying his word. Well, what does his word say for us to do? His word says for us to love God by obeying God. And then his word says for us to, to obey God by letting him love others through us. So hereby we know that uh, that's our perfected or our mature love. When we're both loving God with our whole being by, by giving attendance to his word and by his grace obeying all of his word and repenting of every, every, uh, missing of the mark on his word. And then we're letting God love others through us, uh, as the flow of his love through us, which is all a part of loving him. And as I've already said, the entire next series is the second commandment, God loving through us. But in all these verses, the first and second commandment are so interrelated and interdependent. So there are two signs that I have God in me. And if I have God, God is love. I have God's love in me. The one is that his love is helping me to 
in empowering me and giving me the desire to obey his word. And the second is that love also is demanding the opportunity and the right to express himself through me to others so that others are being loved with the same love I'm being loved with. That we love others as we love ourselves. And we love ourselves with his love for us. That's the only source of love of self. Is God's love for me. And then verse 14, finally. <laughs> uh, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now we went all in through this in uh, the first series. Speaking of, uh, 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 no, earlier in this, excuse me, it was in this series. Earlier in this series, uh, I think it was lessons three and four, maybe five, where we talked about uh, the relationship between the Son and the Father from Jesus' own words and him saying that this relationship of Father and Son was a parable or a proverb and that uh, he was showing us plainly of the Father. And one of the primary reasons that the Lord came to earth uh, and robed himself in flesh and then talked about Father and Son and Jesus said, and, and said it very clearly several times, I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Why? Because he was taking that flesh off the earth where that flesh would become the, the only visible representation of the infinite I am God forever in order to demonstrate the ongoing and eternal relationship between those of us that have given ourselves to God because he has loved us first and we continue to give ourselves to God by the love that dwells in us by his spirit so that we can understand that. We are not going to become the permanent representation of the visible representation of God for eternity. We will represent that one both in the millennial kingdom and in the eternal kingdoms. But only the man Christ Jesus will be the visible representation of the invisible God. But we will, at the church, will be a part of that. Because we are the body of Christ, both here and forever. And the one sitting on the throne is only the, I say only, he is the head of the body. So the Lord spoke these things so that we can understand the kind of relationship God wants with us now. The Father wants to be in us, and the Father wants us to be in Him. And the Father wants us to have both of those relationships. So in being saved, we are put into Him. And a part of that salvation, He is put into us so that He can then flow back out of us to this world. That's what the man Christ Jesus did. And he was the first more born among many brethren. And we are his, we are the brothers of that man. We are the sons of the Father in that man. Because the Father is God. The Father is the Spirit. The man is the Christ, which is the Word, uh, uh, made flesh, and the Word is anointed. Uh, in its manifestation as flesh, and that is Christ. And we're a part of the body of Christ because we're in the Father, the Father's in us. That's what makes us a part of the body of Christ. And we are baptized into Christ, therefore baptized into the Father by water baptism, Galatians 3.27, and we are baptized into, 
the, the, the Father is baptized into us by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is God coming into us by His Spirit, and God is love. Therefore, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so, the Scripture says, verse uh, 14, and we have, we, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Why? Because Paul said, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost, because the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. And the Spirit is God, and God is the Lord, the Lord God. So you can't separate the Lord from the Spirit. They're one and the same. And so no man could call Christ Lord or no man can confess that Jesus is the Son of God, which is the Logos made flesh with the Spirit of the Father in and on that manifestation of the Logos, except uh, by the Holy Ghost. So therefore, only by having the, the Spirit of the Lord in me can I confess that by knowledge, both spiritual and natural knowledge. Therefore, that proves that God dwells in me and that I am in God. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath toward us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now this is very critical, and I'm going to just briefly talk about this because I am going to focus on this as the next lesson. We have known and believed that love that God hath for us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that hath, thee that feareth has not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And I taught this in the last series, 1 John chapter 3, which I didn't go into in this series. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What does that mean? Whosoever shall confess, John 14, 15, or 4, 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now, the Son of God was God manifest in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 5, 19, to it God was in Christ. Reconcile the world unto himself. 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. We could go on and on. For under Isaiah 96, for under us a child is born, under us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Okay. However, this is the place where without the love of God, we have no ability to receive this, act on this, believe this. No ability. You get this little verse in there that says, the last part of that verse, verse 17, because as he is, so are we 
in this world. Now, I am not God manifest in the flesh. But that manifestation is in heaven sitting on the throne of the universe. Now, for a thousand years, he's coming off that throne and sitting on the throne of his natural father or, or ancestor, David, in the city of Jerusalem and going to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. But I am a part of his body. And as he was on the earth in his natural body, every son of God in this world right now is at that place. In this context, Jesus said, and I've already taught this, John 14, 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. The Son of God that was on the earth was taken off the earth and has become the eternal, visible representation of the infinite I am Father God. But he is now... No longer the body of Christ. He is the head of the body. And on the day of Pentecost, people were born into the body as we were born into the body of Christ, but collectively, but we were born in as born again as sons of God. And everything having to do with our past from that new birth back was counted as no more than history. We were given a new life. If any man be in Christ, as many as are baptized into Christ, they put on Christ, Galatians 3.27. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 17, says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, don't, doesn't, why shouldn't you say as he was, so are we in this world? Because we're, uh, he, he is right now in this world in his body. As he was in that body, he is now in this body, and you and I are members of that body because of the love of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, we don't see him now. Now, it would be really easy to be jealous of uh, uh, Peter. I forget if it's First Peter or Second Peter that starts off. We have seen him and known him and whatever, but you haven't. Having not seen him, you love him and believe in him. But we did. Or was it John that said, we, our hands, uh, oh, it was John. Our hands have touched him and we've handled him and we've heard him. You didn't, we, I, we, I haven't done that, John. I haven't done that. So one day I will see him as he is. But right now, he is in me and I am in him and I'm a part, I'm a son of God, which makes me a member of his body. And that makes me his conduit for his love. But I cannot be a member of his body unless I am obeying the mind of that body. The mind controls the body. And it, by the love of God, my being gives itself to the word of God in obedience to that. 
So the mind sends signals down through the nervous system and the members of the body respond to that if they are healthy. Now, if I'm, if his body is paralyzed, he's talking and the body's not listening. Now, there comes a point where sometimes you have to amputate a part of the body to save the body. I don't want that for you. I sure don't want that for me either. So, the head, I am a part of that body, a member of that body. I'm a fully functioning member of that body because I'm giving him my whole self as a person because I'm a part of that body. And his mind, which is his word, controls the body. And I want to be a coordinated part of that body. It is a beautiful thing to see a very well-conditioned, well-coordinated um, athlete run. It is so, it's like poetry in motion. It's so smooth to watch that. I don't have a whole lot of that. I don't have a whole lot of that. But I, I, I can appreciate naturally watching a body that is that well-coordinated, where every part of the body is disciplined, to work in total harmony with the rest of the body to accomplish whatever task or event or uh, thing that's necessary. Uh, years ago, we had a flag football team when I was younger, and nobody's continued it after I was too old to play. But uh, uh, on my flag football team, there was a guy who was an all-county running back here in our county, uh, his mother was coming to the church. We were trying to win him, so we were letting him play. And uh, it was it was something to watch him run. Everybody else, not everybody, but most everybody else, it looked like there was some effort involved, whatever. With him, it was so smooth. It was just smooth, just watching him run. It looked like he was just barely giving any effort to it, but he was just flying past everybody. Needless to say, we won the championship and went undefeated. And a lot of it was because of Kenny Gray and the way he could run. And, uh, and, and, and that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. That's the plan of God, the will of God for every one of us not to be competing against uh, the rest of the, the other members of the body. There's only one right hand. There's only one right foot. There's only one right eye. There's no competition with them. If I want the vision God intended for me to have, both eyes need to be working concert. They need to work in concert. If I want to hear what, like God wants me to hear, both ears have got to work in concert. If I want to do things God wants me to do, both hands need to work in cooperation, not vying for which one's going to be dominant. Thankfully, I've only got one mouth. <laughs> Thankfully, there's only one mouth. And I've got one heart. And I've got one stomach. I do have two lungs, two kidneys. I've only got one liver. I've got a long section of intestines. I've got a little shorter than I used to have because of a problem a few years ago. But uh, I've got two legs, two feet, two arms, two hands. i got two of the stuff I need. I've got one of others. Now, those... Parts that are just one, they have a very important place in the body. I got one brain. So they have a very important place in the body. And there's nothing to compete with them unless they compete with each other. 
What happens when the heart and the brain, figuratively speaking, are competing? What happens? What happens when that's the case? Well, the will of God won't be done. This is the, All of this is based on the love of God. If I have God, I have received His Spirit. If I've received the Spirit, I've received God. I've received the love of God. And if I am submitted by God's grace uh, through that love working in me, I will give myself totally in submission to the authority of the Word of God, and I will obey the Word of God. And then that will position me uh, so that I'm in harmony with myself. There is harmony in me, and then he will use me as a part of his body to do ministry to others. Some of that ministry I will do, my hand can do that ministry essentially itself with the rest of the body just in support. But then there are things the body does that if the whole body doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. These two fingers cannot pick up a 50-pound sack. It takes every muscle in my body to pick up a 50-pound sack of bird seed for feeding the wild birds in our backyard that my wife is very devoted to. So we went to the store last night and bought some bird seed, that 50-pound sack. That was something else. And trying to save trips, I bought two 50-pound sacks. And the new thing now is we're feeding squirrels and deer corn. So we bought 150 pounds worth of stuff. And then to get it to the shed where it's stored, I got my own wagon, one of those beefed-up monster wagons that's not for play but for work. I put that 150 pounds in there, and I was trying to carry it to the wagon. I'm walking along, pulling it with one hand, till I get to the hill that goes up to that shed. Let me tell you something. It took every bit of my 74-year, almost 75-year-old being to get that 150 pounds of cargo in that beefed-up wagon, pull it up the hill to get it in the shed. She said, you want me to come help? You're going to make it? And uh, I, by the grace of God, managed to get it up the hill. It took a little while. There were times it felt like the load was going to win, but the body won because it worked in harmony. Now, I just had to say to her as I was going in the house, you were going to go to the store by yourself? Because she said she was going to go get some seed and corn. I said, I'll go with you. Oh, it's okay. I, I, I can take care of it. And I said, you were going to go by yourself? How were you going to do this? She never answered that. You know why? Because she knew all she had to do was say she was going to go get that. And it's okay. You don't need to go. She knew exactly what my response was going to be. And I responded exactly like she knew I would. I wasn't going to let her go get that seed by all that weight by herself or even take it up to the shed by herself. So the body working together can accomplish some amazing things, but the body working against itself proves that there are parts of the body that is not surrendered to the will of God, to the word of God, and to the motives of God. When any part of my body is contending with other parts of my body, the motive of that part of the body is not glorifying God. 
and it's not being a conduit or a representation of the word of God and the love of God. It, it's not. It's not. It's not. So I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would receive this from him, that you would hear this, that you would believe this, that you would give yourself to God, that you would get the revelation of what God, who is love, that we receive God and love by his spirit coming into us, that you would receive that revelation and that you would get the revelation of the love of God, that you would give yourself to him, to him, not to a church, not to a man, but to God without reservation and let him be in and through you all that he intends to do because as he is, so are we in this world. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.